Okay, welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tempestai, I'm Alex Goldberg, and Dr. Justin Quinn. Free agency is upon us, the draft is in the rear view, and to break it all down, we bring in Tom Westerholm of Boston.com. Tom, how are you? I am doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, the, the, the machine doesn't stop. We got lots to talk about, so we're happy to have you here. Uh, so, yeah, I guess... Let me pause. When is the off season for someone like yourself, an NBA journalist? Because it's not right now. Um, well, the, I mean, the the ideal is to not have much of one, right? Because then, you know, the, the more <laughs> stuff you have to write about, the more stuff you have to podcast about, the uh, the more people are interested, the more people are interested, the more I'm interested. So, um, you know, it's a nice symbiosis there. But I think the, the real off season is after summer league, right? Like you get through, you know, you get done with it with the actual season. It's the draft. Love the draft, you know. Um, get them on the, the, the draft. It's it's free agency. A lot of people like free agency more than the actual season. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's pretty much that that September, um, you know, maybe end of August, like that kind of time. That's that's when it really just becomes like, all right, we gotta we gotta get creative here to try to crank something out. So, um, say, that, that's that's the real the real break. All right, amazing. Well, looking forward to that on your <laughs> behalf. So, the schedule for today. We'll talk about some free agency buzz that we have been hearing or sifting through. We'll talk a little bit about this coming free agency period. And then in the lab portion of the programming, we'll talk about the draft and we will talk about summer league. So we'll get to Kyrie and Durant in just a moment, but closer to home, gentlemen, Jalen Brown liked a tweet and we have to talk about it because that's sports coverage in 2022. I felt dumb by how much I felt the, the worry of him liking that tweet, but basically the, the tweet said something to the effect of Celtics fans disrespect Jalen Brown and he liked it. And then he went on to like uh, a very accurate tweet about uh, Sydney McLaughlin at the US track and field event. So he's active on Twitter to say the least. Tom, big deal, little deal, no deal. Uh, well, I definitely don't think it's no deal. And I think, you know, I, I, was, I was talking about this the other day. And I think it's, I think it goes to show like, like I think fans need to kind of understand something that I think a lot of journalists understand, which is like, they see it all right. Like even if they don't see it, they feel the vibe. Like if you're putting negative stuff out there about a player, they're going to feel that like they, they know, right. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, like you, you definitely see it, you know, as a journalist, you have to be like kind of careful about what you say. You better be right. You know? Um, and like, you know, for fans, it's, you can be whatever you want. You can be right. You can be wrong. You can be mean. You can be nice, whatever you want. Just, no, the players see it, they feel it, they hear it. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, if you're a Celtics fan and you're, you know, saying like, okay, Celtics should definitely trade Jalen for, for Kevin Durant, or you're a Celtics fan and you're saying, okay, Jalen needs to spend the entire offseason, you know, working on whatever, you know, after, after, after making it to the finals, he's going to probably feel a little bit disrespected because he is going to feel that. So he's going to mm-hmm. feel a little bit disrespected after helping lead the team as far as they did. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's not no deal, right? Like these guys want to play for a fan base that appreciates them. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's up to the fan base if they want to do that, I guess. Alex, what would you say to that portion of the fan base? Because that tweet has some accuracy behind it. There are people in Boston and beyond who either because of Durant, which we'll talk about, or just at large have their beef with Jalen Brown. What would you say to those fans, Alex? To the fans who, uh, who Jalen is peeved at? Is that what we're saying? Presum- presumably peeved that. 
<laughs> um, to those fans, I would say a couple of things. The first is that the grass is not always greener, my friends. We have seen many situations where teams loaded with superstar talent set up for conceivably for the next decade to win in the NBA have broken apart for reasons that they probably shouldn't have. If you want the Celtics to be back in the finals with this core, if you want to keep Jason Tatum happy, then it is very important that you keep Jalen Brown on this team. And I would argue that based on his playoff run, which was had a couple of warts, let's be clear, but based on the overall body of work in his playoff run, um, this is a guy that you should be looking to lock down for the next five years. Uh, in my mind, trading Jalen Brown is out of the question. Letting him walk in free agency is not a good idea. So to those fans who Jalen might be understandably miffed at, I would say y'all need to cool it. And in particular, I want to shout out, um, I'm not going to name names, but some of the fans who have particularly large media platforms that they may or may not be able to use in, you know, broadcast journalism settings and things like that. If those fans are actively throwing Jalen Brown into trade packages and then broadcasting that out into the national media for other fans to consume, what I would say is cool it. Please stop because I am tired of the Jalen Brown needs to be traded conversation. Jalen Brown does not need to be traded. He's a great player. He's a perfect wingmate for Jason Tatum. The Celtics just made the finals. Relax, chill. <laughs> Dr. Quinn, what do you think, if anything, the coaching staff at the front office says to Jalen, or is this, are we just making a big deal out of nothing? I don't think we're making a big deal out of nothing. I think that they have a word with him saying that, you know, we want you here. The fans love you. Don't listen to a very small and loud minority. Uh, I would like to be a fly on the wall where the person being alluded to who shall remain nameless, uh, whether there was ever any conversation with him about that. I mean, he's just doing his job, but at the same time, you don't want to see this kind of stuff happen. I mean, I guess I'll just play devil's advocate and that it's a take economy and you just, you got to have a take. Uh, so, so here we are, we got takes. All right, Tom, I want your take on the following. Uh, it's Monday evening. So all of this could change very quickly, but as of Monday evening, East coast time, Kyrie Irving is all but out of there in Brooklyn. And maybe the Lakers are the only ones playing footsie and Kevin Durant might be on his way out too. I'll get to Kyrie in a moment. I mean, if we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about that, because, wow. But uh, how much uh, smoke and fire are you feeling with this Durant thing? And do you think it matters to the Celtics? Well, I mean, it definitely matters to the Celtics, right? Like if, like what, whether or not, like if, if the Nets break up, that's one fewer team in the, uh, you know, in the division. But at the same time, you might not like where Kevin Durant goes, right? Like right. If, if he goes to... I, you know, the mock on yesterday, we talked about like, it could be the heat, right? Imagine that guy on the heat. That's a tough team. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it definitely matters to Celtics. I definitely think, you know, you look at the, uh, you know, the reporters who are, who are putting this stuff out there. They're all very reliable. I mean, Christian Winfield is, is as tied in to that Nets team as it gets. He's, mm -hmm. you know, he's really good with that, with that group. So, I mean, it's definitely not, it's definitely, it's definitely more than just smoke, I think at this point. Um, and, you know, obviously it's, it's interesting from the Celtics perspective, you know, beyond just, 
um, anybody who wants to get petty about Kyrie, right? Like it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's going to spark questions about KD. I think interesting questions about KD. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I think again, I, uh, this is definitely not nothing. Um, you know, how much it impacts the Celtics is, is certainly going to be interesting. You know, if, if, if these guys end up in the Western conference, I think things get a little bit easier if they don't, obviously it doesn't, but, um, yeah, big deal. Big, big things happening in the NBA. I think Tom, I'm going to stick with you. Uh, every team's got to do their due diligence. Do you think that the Celtics are making or would make an aggressive run at Durant if he requests a trade? Yeah. I mean, I think they would certainly make some calls. Um, I think you, you would, uh, you know, like you have to, right. It's Kevin Durant. Um, what they'd be willing to give up. I'm very curious about that because, you know, I know everybody on, on this pod was just like, you know, chill on the Jalen Brown talk, but I do think that like, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation if only because I think Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum do get you a lot closer or like do, I mean, that's, that's a good team, right? Like that's, that's a brutally tough team um, to, to, to try to go up against. So, I think uh, you have to have those conversations. Obviously, the stuff that would have to go out with Jalen would be pricey and would be would be tough to part with. You know, whether you're talking about first round picks or, uh, um, you know, whether you're talking about obviously contracts would have to match up as well. So it, it becomes a complicated conversation. But um, and, you know, I, I not one that I personally would go down. I like I don't think the Celtics should trade Jalen for KD for a bunch of reasons, but. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's Kevin Durant. You, if, if he has any interest in playing for the Celtics, I think you have to have a conversation because he's that good. He's, you know, in my opinion, a top 10, top 15 player of all time. So yeah, you, you gotta know, you know, you, you gotta make the call at least. It's funny. I was on the trade machine earlier today, just poking around and I'm, it's just like a treat that you get to actually put Kevin Durant in the trade machine because t- usually that's, that's mythology, not real life. Uh, Dr. Quinn, we'll keep it moving, but quickly, your your take on the should the Celtics call Brooklyn uh, I mean, situation. I mean, for the Kawhi suggestion. I was not for the Jimmy Butler suggestion. It's all for the same reason. It's just because I can see these two together for a long time. And at this point, after having made it through those gauntlets, after getting this close to the finals, I at least want to see one more try at the finals before we even think about trading Jalen Brown. Alex, go. I do think that the Celtics should call the Brooklyn Nets if they're looking to trade Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. I don't think that they should necessarily call the Brooklyn Nets about getting Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. I think if G- if Brad Stevens is doing his due diligence, he's going to be looking at every significant trade that happens and seeing is there a way that I can sneak in here and snag someone who would fit nicely into that Evan Fournier $17 million TB? Because that Nets team has some talent on it outside of their two stars. And if Brad is smart and on it, I could see a world where the Celtics get involved as a third team to facilitate a more complex deal and come out of it with some talent. Well, I think one thing to one thing to keep an eye on there, though, is to, is to remember, like the Nets probably are not going to be in full teardown mode just because they don't have any picks going forward. Yeah. Right. Like there's no benefit to them um, going full teardown. Um, so whether you know, you could certainly make that call, um, you know, if you want to see if there was anybody else they wanted to offload. But um, you might you might not catch a team that's like in full fire sale, take everything we have. We don't care anymore just because they don't have the uh, the assets to get better after that. All, all I'm saying is make the call. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You might find somebody who is, shall we say, someone who they need to move to open up the cap space to make another move. And that Mm -hmm. might not be like a star, but you could still probably get a decent player to add to the rotation. That's what I think would be happening in that kind of a scenario. Yeah, and and to Alex's point, I mean, like, 
there's no reason not to check, right? Uh, I'm going to offer something, which is that looking at how quickly the Nets imploded and like a little bit the writing was on the wall because a deal with Kyrie Irving is always going to be a fickle deal. I, I don't know. The, the stat that the Celtics were the fourth team in 40 years with a young duo to make it to the finals and none of those teams ever went back. And looking at how NBA super teams are chaff in the wind, I don't know. I kind of feel like you go for it. I, I, I'm largely in agreement with you all and we're going to keep it moving. But I am flirting with the idea that go for the gusto because nothing is guaranteed. And if you could get Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum on a team, maybe it's lightning in, in a bottle and it's Kawhi on the Raptors and whatever happens next is messy. But I, I don't know. Um, I'm not quick... I'm not quick to dismiss it, but I think I agree with you all. Um, so to that end, let's talk about someone I think we do, we are a little more excited about, or at least uh, in control of our excitement. Um, DeJounte Murray could be on the move, which feels really surprising. Um, his name has been really tied to the Hawks, which incidentally, John Collins, also reportedly available. Tom, between those two players or uh, any other player kind of in that tier, who do you think the Celtics might or should um, kick the tires on. Well, you could kick the tires on any of them. I, I kind of think that the Celtics are my, my kind of guess would be that the Celtics are, are looking a little bit less like those guys are all moves that, that kind of reshape things in a lot of ways. Right. I don't think the Celtics are trying to reshape anything right now. I think they, they, you know, if KD is like an exception, they, you know, that, that kind of proves the rule just cause he's, he's so good. You know, he's, he's, he's so great that you kind of have to think about it, but the rest of those guys, I mean, look, if, if you're the Celtics, you got to think that you're like, you know, half a piece away, right? Like you're not even like a full piece away. You're, you're right there. You're like Rob, get Rob getting healthy and maybe a couple fewer turnovers. And and, and you're, you're right there. So to me, I, I don't think they'll probably kick the tires on those guys too hard. If, if there was one that I, that, you know, personally, I would probably kick the tires on DeJounte Murray just because I think he's such a stud. Like he's one of my favorite young players in the NBA. Um, but um, you know, just kind of the, the cost, and I'm sure it would take to get him. The cost it would take to any of those, to get any of those guys would be um, pretty hefty and probably prohibitive for a team that that is, like I said, right, like right on the cusp. Doesn't doesn't need that huge thing to go over the edge, and selling too much would probably uh, take away some of that. So, uh, Alex, Justin, we've talked about these guys before. So again, I'll ask you to keep it brief. But any new thoughts that you'd like to share on Murray Collins or anyone else, kind of in that? This is torture. player. Yeah. <laughs> this is torture for me because, you know, longstanding listeners know I have been coveting DeJounte Murray on this team for quite some time. But it's also true what Tom said that the ask would be quite high. And when we see things like they want three first round draft picks, they probably want three better first round draft picks than what Boston can give them, presumably. Uh, and the other important thing to keep in mind when we start seeing all these deal rumors floating about is even if they are accurate, which oftentimes they don't have the full picture. Uh, we also need to keep in mind that the ask for one team is not going to be the same for every team. So just try to keep that in mind as I go cry in a corner. Yeah. yeah, not much to add. The only thing that I would say is it strikes me that three first round picks at, so right now, DeJounte Murray has been linked to the Hawks a lot and there's a package that's been floating around or some have said around John Collins, but there's more info coming out now saying that John Collins is not likely to be a part of that package. And that instead it would be Gallinari and multiple picks or something like that. If that's the case, I mean, if you can get DeJounte Murray for 
basically mostly picks and some salary filler, then you certainly have to make the call. Again, I think that pick value matters, right? The Hawks picks are probably more valuable than the Celtics picks going forward. But if the main price point is the picks, then that's a move that the Celtics should be all over. Trading picks is totally fine with me if you're trying to build this core up around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brandt. Once you start trading players, that's when you get a little dicier. But if it, if the offer is mostly picks, you have to make a call. And to, to Justin's point, I think the 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 thing to the thing to always remember is just like like it it is going to differ between teams, right? Like if you yeah. can get like if if you go to like the I assume that no team is going to actually think that they can get Jalen Brown short of like a Kevin Durant. So if they can go to the Celtics and be like, look, you're not getting him, and if like unless you give us Jalen Brown, then they can go to the other team and be like well, the only way the Celtics are getting him is Jalen Brown. You know, that ups your price. Like, think about how much Jalen Brown is worth. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think that's all That's all right. Like, it's it's probably not going to happen just, just based on what the price would end up being. So let's – we're at the top of the pyramid where we're daydreaming about Kevin Durant. Uh, we're going to we're gonna cool our jets a little bit and make our way down to base, base camp, which is summer league. But before we get there, Tom, let's assume that we're in agreement – the Celtics are not going to swing for the fences and necessarily bring in a new all-star. They're certainly not looking to trade out core pieces. They do have a few fun tools that they can play with. So let me ask you about um, these TPEs and maybe you've <laughs> written about this 10 times and you know exactly what your answer is. Maybe you are still turning that stone over in your head, but we can start with the $17 million one and you can work your way down to what is it? Six and 8 million or wherever it's at. Do you have a, or a few TPE targets? in mind for the Celtics? It's not so much about the, uh, the target itself really um, because I haven't uh, turned that stone over completely yet, but um, I, I think that it, it does kind of come down to everything that, you know, we know about their needs, right? It's, it's, it's shooters and it's uh, and it's just kind of like versatility. Cause you know, the thing that we saw in these playoffs, like, you know, that, that everybody always talks about is like, you know, if you've got a target on your team defensively, that guy's going to get targeted and just, you know, like shoring up some of the ball handling stuff. Um, you know, I think I think that the concerns about Smart are a little bit overblown. I think that he's a like a very good um, point guard, um, but you know, it never hurts to have to have a little bit of extra. And you certainly can't argue that the that the Celtics were were not turnover prone, right? So, um, I, th- I think I think those things are the big thing, right? It's just uh, it's just you know just kind of addressing, um, you know, if, if you can find a guy that, that addresses some of those issues, even if he doesn't address all of them, even if he only addresses one, but he's really good at it, no problem. Again, this team is already kind of constructed um, to be pretty good for the long haul. So um, just, you know, to me, it's just about kind of like shoring things up and going from there. Sure. Dr. Quinn or Alex, any new TPE targets? I know we've talked about this and that we will talk about this in full uh, in the coming days and weeks, but any new names floating around in your head? I have one that I'm, I'm worried about. Mm. I've, Alex. I've, yeah. So I'm monitoring this Hawks thing. If DeJounte Murray is indeed going to the Hawks and the Hawks are, you know, reorienting their team, there's a lot of guys kicking around on that Hawks team that I think the Celtics should kick the tires on. Gallo is definitely one. If Kevin Herter is available, the Celtics should certainly take a look at that. I have been a big fan of Kevin Herter's game for some time now. I don't know that he actually is available, but I do know that the Hawks have a glut of guards and adding DeJounte Murray to that mix does not help their glut of guards. So if one of those guys, a Bogdanovich or a Herter or a Gallinari shakes loose, I would take a look at that. 
I think just, Gallo just to make- add to that real quick. I do know that there were a lot of people in the Celtics organization who liked Herder quite a bit. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that they make a call about. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I just wrote an absolutely absurd 60-player uh, long list of every single player who could possibly fit into this TPE, and I just need to like let that kind of marinate a little bit more before I really, yeah. Should have broken into 60 different articles. Um, I'm just going to offer that, Tom, I agree with what you were saying and, and your assessment of SMART. I'd feel icky about it. We don't need to unpack it any more than um, I think Derek Rose would make a lot of sense. And I, that doesn't feel good, but I, on paper, no. thank you. Thank you for being the angel on my shoulder. Um, dispassionate basketball coverage is stupid. Okay. Anyways, oh, one last is that he's pretty good. He's like, he's a pretty good backup. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm out. I'm just out on old point guards. Like I'm done. It's not happening. Ricky Rubio. No. Derek Rose. No. Mike Conley. No. I'm fine with acquiring a vet, but not a vet who's going to get ruthlessly hunted every single time down the floor. No old point guards. What about uh, DeLon Wright for the MLE? If it's not enough for him, he's got an older brother, I believe, could make for a good assistant coach. Now we're talking. DeLon Wright, where does he play right now? The Raptors? Uh, He was just with the Hawks, right? The Hawks. I think the Clippers are another team that if that gets, if they look to add a star, there's a lot of cool pieces that um, shake loose there. Um, Tom, before we talk about the Celtics draft and summer league, Justin said the secret word, any, any ideas for the MLE? It's about six and a half million dollars. I'll be honest with you, not off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think again, it just, it just kind of comes down to the, the type of player you're looking for. I think the nice thing, um, you know, about, about the MLE this year is that, um, you know, if, if you did, if there was like, you know, like one specific thing that you wanted to target, if there was one area, um, that's where you can start to go with that. Um, but in, in like, in, in terms of like names, I, I got nothing for you right now. I apologize. That's all good. I mean, off season hasn't started yet. Okay, just in the interest of news, Phil Pressey is retiring. He's becoming an assistant coach at Mizzou. Good for him. And Will Hardy is a leading candidate over in Utah, so his days in Boston might be numbered. All right, let's pause the action. I'm going to talk about our friends at betonline.ag, and then we will hop into the Celtics Lab portion of the programming. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and developments in the world of sports, including all of your MLB action, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device and use the promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Tom Westerholm. The draft is a, came and went. Um, the Knicks, we can talk about the Knicks, but first we'll talk about the Celtics. The Celtics had the 53rd pick. There was a lot of buzz about trades and fireworks and yada, yada, yada. And lo and behold, they took J.D. Davison from Alabama, who looks like Nice kid, really athletic. So thoughts on JD, thoughts on the lack of trades, thoughts on the draft overall for the Celtics. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't think it's much of a surprise for a team that feels like they have enough. Um, you know, like the, and I thought Brad's comments about Davison were pretty interesting, um, you know, shortly after the draft where he was, he could not have possibly been more clear, like in sending a message to Davison, which was like, look, we like you. We think there's, we think you have a real chance to be a real NBA player. Um, you're not seeing the floor of the season. <laughs> like, just like, you know, um, work hard, you know, be a good member of the organization. And he was, you know, the other thing that I thought was, was really smart was how, how hard he emphasized, like, we want to be part of your development. You know, he didn't even say like, we want you to develop into a player for us. You know, he was, he was, he was very clear. Like, you know, we want to help you get better and start your NBA journey. Um, you know, that, I think that's smart business, right? Like that's like telling a player, um, you know, get better. That's telling an agent, you know, we're going to try to help your client. You know, that, that does a lot of, you know, that that's smart for, for an NBA GM to, to kind of operate that way. Um, you know, I think draft night, Again, for a team that that you know wants to get better and wants to win right now, it makes a lot of sense to just kind of sit back and and, and wait and you know make a pick that could maybe help you a couple of years down the line, but isn't going to help you right now. Um, there's no pressure on Davison. I don't think there was any pressure on Brad to do anything huge that night. Yeah, um, it was kind of a I think it was kind of a low stress night for everybody involved. Um, and and now um, you know now the actual stuff starts to happen. So, so to that end, there there was a lot of suggestion that Boston was eager to move up and go get the Warriors pick or whatever. At the end of the day, how much of that do you believe to be true? Do you think this, that Boston was actively trying to move up or just kind of putting feelers out? Uh, it, it, it's hard to say how much is like, just other, like how much is it the Celtics themselves? Like how much is other teams trying to like gas up interest in their own pick and seeing what else they could get to, I mean, to me, what it seemed like was, the Celtics had guys they liked because they are, it's, you know, I mean, they have a lot of guys who were, who are heavy into, you know, all the prospects and all the college basketball, a lot of guys who were um, placed to really have the emphasis on that, um, you know, and, and they certainly would have been willing to make a move if something shook loose. But I think if you kind of, if you kind of meet everything right in the middle on draft night, it like where the Celtics weren't like, you know, trying like crazy to get into the first round, but they would have done it if there was something that could have been worked out. That's where I think you're probably, closest to what, what, what actually happened. My guess is, yeah, they probably liked Tar Eason, but like, I don't think they were, you know, like gangbusters, you know, full um, Danny Ainge after justice Winslow. I don't think they were like doing that <laughs> to try to get in there. Man. What a time that was. Can you, ima- can you <laughs> imagine? Time, man. <laughs> man, I mean, I'm glad we don't have to <laughs> just pausing the past 10 years of Celtics basketball has just been Oh, they're going to trade for Blake Griffin. They're going to trade for LaMarcus Aldridge. They're going to trade for Kawhi. They wanted Justice Winslow, blah, 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 blah. Love. And then they went to the finals with the dudes that they drafted. I mean, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, J- Justin, Alex, or Tom, anyone, I, I mean, I don't really follow the draft, I'm going to be honest. Anyone around the 53rd pick that you wish had fallen to the Celtics? Oh, Ziga Samar, I think, was a guy that I would have at least liked him have tried out in the uh, undrafted uh, free agent kind of a vein. And then uh, Sebrin, who I ranted on this podcast uh, recently, I would have liked to see him in a two-way slot, but he ended up getting snapped up, I think, before he got to us. So. I'm just, you know, I'm fine with taking Davison as an upside play. I, he's not anywhere close to NBA ready right now. Uh, the thing he's got going for him right now more than anything is that he has hops for days. He can jump out of the building. But outside of that, he doesn't really have an obviously NBA ready skill set. Like he turns the ball over too much. He's not a particularly great three point shooter. His defense is 
potentially promising, but needs a lot of work. So I think it's, it's like Tom said, totally fine. If you're at the 53rd pick, totally fine. Just taking a flyer on a guy with a lot of athleticism and hoping that he puts it together. Yeah. And I I think the thing that I like about the Davison pick is that he, one one of my favorite things about the way that Danny Ainge drafted was he, he like, he really knew like the high school guys who like then went to college and maybe were a little bit disappointed in college and then their stock fell. Danny was all over those guys. And uh, Davison is kind of like that. Like he was a five-star kid. Um, He did struggle at Alabama, but I don't think Alabama's system was particularly well set up for him. Um, You know, there's, like, you know, like, like Alex said, you know, the athleticism for days, I, I think he does have a lot of promise as a facilitator. I know the turnovers were high, but um, his vision is pretty good. Uh, I think if you go back and, and you look, he makes some passes that you're like, oh, wow, that was a really nice read. Um, and he, he does have some good touch around the basket. So I think that there is, I think there's, there's, there's definitely promise there. Um, you know, whether he puts it all together, I think is kind of up to him. And again, I think that's kind of what Brad was saying, right. And in, in his, in his comments is like, work hard. Cause like we see something in you, like we think that there is something there, but it's going to be kind of up to, up to him and the player development staff to, uh, to try to put that all together and turn him into, into something that can actually somebody who can actually contribute. Tom, I'm going to ask you a question you might have no answer to. Um, I know that you spent time like really focused on high school kids and kind of that basketball scene. How much, if at all, do you think the pandemic upended the NBA's ability to scout or, they they did what they they could and they're actually fine now seemingly on the other side although we could argue that too so that's a that's a good question i don't know how much um i don't know how much the pandemic did um just because there are a lot of resources now where you can you you can get film on i mean so many guys right um and you know i think if anything i think that affects things more right like it's like there's there's so many uh you know, so, so, so many guys out there, so many mixtapes out there, so many, uh, you know, your, your huddle, your baller TV, like any of these places where um, you can just watch, you know, endless, endless amounts of, of high school basketball. I do know that, um, you know, like the top guys definitely get scouted as, as high school players. Um, but for instance, like if, if you're, uh, I'm pretty sure there's rules in place where you actually can't um, you know, go to certain high school events. If you're an NBA team, like, I think you have to, there have to be like, I could have this wrong. Um, I think there have to be like prep players who could hypothetically jump straight to the NBA for you to go to a high school gym. Um, Interesting. Again, I'm like, like, don't quote me, quote me on that. I know I'm on a podcast here, but like, I'm like 60% certain on that one. Um, But like, you know, so, so I, 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 obviously they rely on film a lot anyway. Um, So I don't think that like, you know, travel restrictions or, or, or whatever it might be. I don't think that would have um, a lot of impact on, on how, um, teams, teams research, but I mean, look, it's the pandemic. It definitely made high school basketball harder, right? Like it, it made, uh, you know, it made a U harder. It made, it made a lot of things more difficult for these guys. So from that angle, I think certainly, you know, and from the angle of, uh, you know, a lot of guys missed a year of development, like a crucial year of develop, development. That's really hard to evaluate too, because you know, who, who knows how, how that all works out. So yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, a lot of things go into it. Certainly. I don't, I don't think travel was one, but, but, you know, in terms of just evaluating guys, it is it is harder when uh, when you don't know about that one year that's just kind of missing for everybody. Sure. No, yeah, I, it just occurred to me that it could look very different, but I suspect that in the same way that we're having this conversation on Zoom, people figured out how to make connections despite, you know, a little bit of a hiccup in society. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about, well, actually one last draft question. And again, you might not have an answer. Um, who had the best draft overall in the NBA, Tom? God. 
that's a that is a tough one. Or the most entertaining, if you want to if you want to talk about the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I loved I loved the Pistons draft just because I think that the combination of of Jaden Ivy and, uh, and and Cade is is really fun. Like, I, I know there's a lot of a lot of Pistons fans who are talking about like playoffs and stuff like that. I think that's overblown at this point. But I mean, they they put together a heck of a backcourt. If, if there's I, I hope they're bad next year, one more year, because that, that Pistons team is going to be super fun if they have any shot at, you know, your your Victor uh, Wimbayana or any of those guys uh, that are going to be right mm-hmm. at the top. That a Pistons team could be a problem. Cool. I like that. Yeah, I thought they had a, a pretty nice draft. I don't think anyone I, – really, I mean, I hate to make fun of the Knicks too much, but I feel like most teams had a pretty good draft, but not maybe the team in New York. But we'll see. Okay, let's talk about the Summer League squad and first i'm going to swing to dr quinn because this is kind of your account so yamadar is not going to be attending summer league can you walk us through where that decision came from yeah so when i first heard about that i went poking around and came up with some information uh it's been reported elsewhere as well but he's complaining he's committing to the israeli national team but he's also and this is something i think is really interesting uh, I heard that the partisan NIS team that he plays for in Serbia, they are planning to put him in a big role for them in the EuroLeague next year. So Yam is going to have a chance to, or is it Yam? I'm, I should know this by now. Um, I'll say Yam. Uh, kill me if I'm wrong. Uh, Yam is basically <laughs> looking at a much better developmental opportunity than he would be basically like spot, you know, garbage time minutes and some G League games. It's not really going to be optimum for him in the States. So I think this was really the right call for him. Cool. I, I think it's fun to think about Yam as that kind of spicy. That's the point guard of your dreams, Alex. He's not an old defensive liability. He's a young defensive liability. How fun is that? Um, <laughs> But, I actually liked Young's defense yeah, I, in Summer League. I, I don't think he's ready for the NBA, and I don't see a way that he would actually play if he got called up. So if he wants to go pursue an actual opportunity in Europe, I'm fine with it. All right, cool. And, um, man, I, Bagarin, the French kid, I'm so, I'm so upset that I also don't know how to pronounce this young person's name. Uh, he's I believe it's Bagarin. I believe it's... Yeah, you got you to put a little flair on a little beggarin, I believe is is the uh, the correct pronunciation. That doesn't sound French at all. Wait, say his whole name. Uh, okay, Juan Beggarin, I believe. Beggarin. Okay, Juan something. Yeah. JB JB too. <laughs> okay, French JB uh, Beggarin. I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Beggarin. I I should be better. Okay, he's coming through though. Um, he had a nice season with Paris basketball. Tom, uh, other than how to pronounce his name correctly, which is abhorrent that we can't, I can't nail that. Um, what should, what should Celtics fans know about him? I, you know, like, again, I, I think there's some similarities between, um, you know, him and, and Yam, uh, in, in, not in terms of like their games, but in terms of like, you know, where they're at, right. Where, um, if, if he comes over, like, you know, great. Like, you know, he probably improved and, and showed if, if he does, it means he probably showed some things in summer league or whatever. Um, but you know, he's, he's big. Um, he's a guard, you know, he's, he's pretty athletic. He's, um, definitely got some holes in his game that, that, you know, that need work. I'm not sure how much he addressed them, uh, in, in his, you know, his one season, he's, he's still very young, um, which is important. I, I, I don't know exactly what he is. I think he might be 19 or 20 still. Um, I think but he's 20. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's still pretty young. So there's a lot of time for him to put everything together and, and to, and to show some things, but, um, you know, I, I would not be surprised if he takes a similar tact as, as Yam where, where he just kind of looks at it and it goes like, I'm going to probably develop a little bit more overseas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
come over you you know maybe it gets like a two-way deal maybe having like actual developmental reps with the celtics is something that he'd be interested in um but you know for a lot of these guys i, I think it's i think it's going to be a really complicated assessment like do i want to play on a team that probably isn't going to have any minutes at all for me um you know and if i, I think it's very reasonable to say no if, if that's where they decide tom correct me if i'm wrong you're from maine originally is that right no i'm from iowa originally oh the the main of the West. Okay. I was going to say sell us on Maine over Paris, but um, <laughs> I guess that's not your account. Okay. Yeah, never mind. It could be, man. I've never been, you know, I guess I've been to Maine. I, I wouldn't say that. I was going to say I've never been to either, but that's a lie. I've never been to Iowa. I mean, I, wow, I thought for sure you were from Maine. I was so ready to, okay. Um, I hear it's great. I hear Portland in January. What, what could be better? Uh, the Celtics are also bringing Sam Hauser, Malik Fitz, Juwan Morgan, Roderick Thomas, and Matt Ryan to Vegas. Tom, I'll go to you, but I'll go around the horn. Of those guys or anyone else I haven't named, anyone in particular you'll have your eye on? I think Sam Hauser's to me, maybe the most interesting one, just because I, I think that there's such an easy, direct pathway for him to like go from, you know, like summer league to making the roster. And I think um, it's not so much the shooting, because I think I think we all probably feel pretty confident that Sam Hauser can shoot that thing. I think it's a lot more about just defense, right? Like just showing that you can showing that you can hang, that you're not going to be like, a you know, a target on that end. I think he's showed some things on the defensive end that are, mildly encouraging um if he does that in summer league again i think that it's um you know pretty pretty easy one-to-one to him making the roster so um i think he's interesting i think malik Fitz is kind of interesting just because like you know i hope he shows some things i hope he makes the roster he was entertaining last year um i have uh you know i, I know he's got some some skills that make him sound like an nba player i don't know how much he's ready to put that all together yet but uh, i think those two will be the big ones for me especially hauser just yeah, there's he he should be he should be able to make an NBA roster, I think. So we'll see. All right. Alex, Justin, anyone that you're specifically excited to watch? If Broderick Thomas could learn how to shoot, I think he would actually be a kind of interesting 15th man type dude. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it, it's a big ask for him. Like he he really has not shown at any point in his NBA career um, substantial ability to shoot the ball. And, you know, with the small sample size. So um, keep an open mind, but maybe he comes in and he's able to, you know, kick his averages up a little bit. And then we're having a different conversation. Kind of interested to see Matt Ryan get a little bit of play. We really haven't seen too much of him. He kind of reminds me of Hauser in a lot of ways, but even more raw. So curious to see if there's anything there. Yeah, I was I was gonna say Matt Ryan too. I mean, it's interesting because, and we'll get to this in a moment. There's no ring around this team. The hierarchy is not obvious. It's not like they just drafted a stud and it's clearly his showcase. It's really just a bunch of guys hoping to make a name for themselves. Um, to that end, Aaron Neesmith is undecided as of the time we put our notes together. Tom, anything you've heard or any thoughts you have on Neesmith playing at Summer League? I have not heard anything about him playing. Um, I, I think I'd be surprised if he did, uh, just because like, it feels like there's so little upside for that for him, you know, like, 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 okay, he comes in and he dominates. Everybody's like, okay, great. Like Aaron E. Smith dominated summer league. Great. He's been in the NBA for three years. He should be able to do that. Uh, you know, come in, comes in and struggles and everybody's like, okay, well, this guy's a bust, you know, cut him and you know, whatever. So um, I haven't heard that he's going to play. I would be surprised if he did. Um, I just don't see much upside for him. Um, someone who knows it's very rare, pretty rare, sort of rare for a third year player to play in summer league. I would say fairly rare. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, to your point, 
low upside. I mean, he openly said, you know, I think I have the yips. So getting some reps might be nice, but with a lot of cameras on him, maybe not so much. Uh, all right. A couple more players to shout out for summer league. And then we're out of here. Jordan bone who played for the magic Pistons and overseas for basket Zaragoza. He was also a teammate with Grant, So that's kind of cool. Um, Trevion Williams. He's an undrafted kid from Purdue. He's, uh, he's got some passing game, but uh, <laughs> not much athleticism. It looks like. And then Mifondu Kabangele, who is Dikembe Mutombo's nephew. I hope I said that right. You did. You're uh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, he was very good in G League last year. Justin, actually, I'll go to you first. Any thoughts on him? Because you were very excited about. Uh, I am not at all because of who his uncle is. Uh, I think that of all the people on the summer league team, he has the most realistic chance of actually contributing to an NBA team this season for some meaningful minutes, but that three has to start falling reliably for that to happen. Cool. Tom, any of those names or any other names, Celtics or otherwise, the summer league you'll, you'll be looking out for. Yeah, I agree with Justin. I mean, like that, you know, like not only three point shooting, but he was, you know, rim protection was a big thing for him coming out of college. So, you know, he hasn't, really shown that he doesn't have like super like rim protection size. Um, and I think, you know, to, to be a really great rim protector at his size, I think you've got to have some of what, you know, some of the athleticism and length that Rob offers. Um, I, I always kind of liked Jordan bone, especially in Tennessee. I thought, I thought he was pretty good. And I know that uh, I know he had a second workout with the Celtics when he was uh, that I, um, so I, they're, they're pretty familiar with him. Um, for, for if I, if I'm remembering that draft class correctly, I'm pretty sure they're, they're very familiar with him and they, they know uh um, you know, know who he is, know, uh, know, know what he's kind of about. Um, competitive dude. I think, I, I think there's some, some potential there. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if um, kind of early on we, we get a lot of Jordan bone, right? He's, he's kind of that perfect summer league guy where he's, he's been in the NBA before he's kind of gotten a taste of it. And now he knows how mm-hmm. to um, you know, kind of, kind of how to, how to play the game a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's somebody who stands out a little bit in the early going. Cool. Fantastic. All right, let's reward the listeners who are still listening with something spicy. So, Tom, I'll get you out of here on this. Just give me your biggest off-season prediction for the NBA. Um, could be Kevin Durant plays in Europe. Could be Kyrie Irving retires, yada, yada, yada. Um, and here's mine, um, so I can stall to let you think. Kevin Durant is going to go and play for the Washington Wizards, and he and Bradley Beal are going to play hoops just down the street from where Kevin Durant grew up. He wasn't ready to play for a hometown crowd before maybe he's ready now and goodness gracious the wizards need a win so kevin durant welcome to the beltway that's my spicy prediction for the offseason tom westerholm of boston.com your spicy prediction for the offseason all right well i'll go i'll go celtic specific and it's, i I hope, I hope it's not too uh too boring or too or too close to like what you guys have already said but i think the celtics are going to um find somebody like pretty impactful like a little bit more impactful and a little bit more interesting than you would think with that with that tpe i don't think they're going to want to let that i mean that that's such an opportunity to uh, to go get somebody useful for your team i don't think they should let that go by i think that they have um you know whether it's future draft picks or whatever it might be i think they've got stuff that could interest another team so i i'll just i'll just say i i without you know without n- naming names or getting into that stuff i do think that they're going to find somebody that, that fans are going to go huh with that uh with that tpe that would be my guess all I heard was Derek Favors. <laughs> Alex and Justin, quickly, any uh, spicy takes you want to save it for next week? 
Uh, I'll go my spicy take. I think I disagree with you on the Kevin Durant destination, Cam. I think there's one team out there that has, in my mind, the clear best trade package for Kevin Durant if they want it. That's the Phoenix Suns with DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and however many picks it takes. I could see a scenario where Kevin Durant gets to join up with his buddy Chris Paul and Devin Booker in Phoenix, try and compete for a title there. All right. I'm going to put like Kyrie with the Lakers and I'm going to make it spicy by saying it's going to go out. Cool. <laughs> oh, man. I have so much to say about everything that's happening in Brooklyn, but another day. Tom, thanks so much for being here. Listeners, thanks so much for being here. Celtics, thanks so much for playing basketball. So we have something to talk about. Uh, we will be back with all sorts of fun, appropriate basketball stuff and off the court stuff soon. So. Like and subscribe if you haven't. Never miss an episode and catch you later.